junkies, here we hey. are. Hey, it's hey. been a while, sorry, and we've come back with a load of our wank. No, Mank. Mank. So we're reviewing Mank. Now this is a film that's dropped on Netflix. It's had a very limited theatrical release. I noticed it was on at the Curzon Cinemas in central London. Uh -huh. It's directed by David Fincher, which is significant and interesting. He directed, obviously, things like the Fight Club. His first film uh, was uh, Alien 3, I didn't realise. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um... Seven, The Game, Fight Club, Zodiac, Social Network, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, and he did Gone Girl. Now, I one of my, my favourite one of his films was The Game of Michael Douglas. I know. It was a very Going underrated thriller. Yeah, it was 97. I hated Gone Girl. I know you did, yeah. Hated it. And Mank marks his first feature film in six years. Okay, it's written by his dad. It's written by his dad. It wrote, written by his dad back in 1990. His dad sadly passed away, and so this is being made posthumously. Yeah. Why is it called Mank, you ask? Why Mank? What an odd title. What One might say, what a stupid title. Well, it's the abbreviated nickname for the screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz, who uh, was the writer of Citizen Kane, which went, went on to become probably one of the most lauded and respected films and is often at the number one, number yeah, one in most yeah. people's greatest films of all time. And, you know, often... This, this isn't everybody. This is sort of people who revere films who revere films. Yeah, this it's isn't a, a number... Film, yeah, this way. isn't... A, yeah, Citizen Kane is a number one for, for sort of film theorists and yes. students and film aficionados yes. and things like that. I have to say, I was an enormous fan of it. It's mm. an incredibly innovative, fabulously shot wondrously performed by Orson Welles. Uh, I saw it movie. not that long ago, again on the TV, and I yeah. was surprised by how it holds up. It's incredibly contemporary, and it's well worth a visit if you're interested in film. It's well worth a watch, it really mm. is. Well, Mankiewicz was incredibly important insofar as he was the man who wrote the story. And, yeah, and back you... in those days, you know, in Hollywood, screenwriters were everything, and directors were often, often hired hands. So really... Except for Orson Welles. Except for Orson Welles. Yeah. Except, yeah, well, except for Orson Welles, although Orson Welles did hire yeah, Herman J. Mankiewicz to uh, write this, write a screenplay, and when he delivered this, you know, then Orson Welles kind of gobbled up shared responsibility, which is yeah. a major part of the plot. And right at the beginning, it comes up in words mm. that Orson Welles, unlike most other directors, was given complete carte blanche to do what he liked with this film. Well, he was, yeah, yes. absolutely. And that's not a usual thing. It's the reason not, that no. comes up is that yeah, that's very unusual. But, and what's even more bizarre about the fact that, that he was given carte blanche with this with by RKO, RKO Pictures is the fact that he was also a Hollywood outsider, and they talk about that too. Mm. He was not liked. He was mm. they, People found him suspicious. Mm. People didn't like him. I mean, you have to understand that Orson Welles, back in his day, was the sort of Tarantino of yeah, Hollywood. He was, yeah. he was the 40s Tarantino. He was a maverick. He was uncontrollable. He would ricochet everywhere. He was shooting Touch of Evil whilst he made this. He'd done The Magnificent Ambersons before Citizen Kane, which was a commercial flop, a critical flop, but actually I think it's a very rich film as well. It's a very, very compelling movie. Also, Hollywood was such a closed shop. Yeah, totally. I mean, that was the other thing. He came yeah. from... I mean, the screenwriters used to come and go. I mean, William Faulkner for a while yeah. was a big screenwriter. Well, I mean, Mankiewicz was also one of the ten screenwriters on The Wizard of Oz. I mean, you was know, he? there were about ten of them. And, and so, you know, screenwriters were employed by the studios and they just... It was like an industry. They'd just sit there churning out yeah, stuff and every exactly. now and then a great movie would come out, you know. Yeah. So he was employed to make this. Now, this is the portrait of Mankiewicz. So this is kind of like a film about not even the making of Citizen Kane, because you don't even the cameras that you don't see the cameras roll on it. No, you don't. This is about the guy who wrote the story. And it's about the fact that Citizen Kane, the film itself, is about a huge press magnate 
And it's always said that it's based upon William Randolph Hearst. And so this film tells us the real life backstory or suggested backstory of how Mankiewicz um, was kind of romantically slightly involved with uh, Randolph Hearst's wife and his involvement with Randolph Hearst and the way in which he kind of portrays him in the film. So just to explain what a press... Press well, a press magnet is like Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. Total equivalent so, to Rupert Murdoch, but back in his day. R William Randolph Hearst. And, you know, he famously his daughter was Patty Hearst. He was a hugely... Played in the film by Charles Dance. Charles Dance, which yeah, Which I absolutely. thought was wonderful. So it's a cute... Look, so from the get-go, that, as a grab, is not a grab. And it's I'm a not. film fan. I'm yeah. a film theory student. I'm a film aficionado. I, it's my bread... I love all this stuff. Mm. Even I found it a challenge... Yeah. ...to go to watch this. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would. But the reason we're reviewing it, really, if I'm honest, is because you can't not if no. you're if you if you into film. And Gary Oldman is for sure going to be nominated for an Oscar. Oh, it's fantastic. One other point that I'd have to make about this film, I think personally, it, it owes. We've seen the trailers and what have you. It owes huge visual and stylistic allegiance to the film Citizen Kane. It's shot in almost exactly the same way. It's. It's not even sort of, what's it called when something sort of pays respect? It's not even paying yeah, respect. Yeah. It's not even imitating. It's, is it? It or is it. It, yeah. it, it. Right down to the quality of the sound recording. The quality of the sound recording is very bizarre because what they've managed to achieve with the dialogue and their voices is the capacity to feel as though you're listening to them within an old-fashioned yes. cinema. Yeah, very true. And so it's like you're at the back of a cinema listening to the voices come through a slightly tinny thing. And very a lot true. of work has gone into that. Yeah. Uh, a lot of work has gone into the grade, the black and white, the oh. depth of shot, the compositions, the even where they've used things like, you know, um, backdrops when they're driving, you know, moving yeah, backdrops. Yeah. They've gone to replicate that in a way that's truly uh, relishing and respecting and paying homage to the original film. And I never thought I'd say that I'd see another film that looked as strikingly visual and as visually arresting as Citizen Kane, other than this. Yeah. And I think almost entirely what kept me in this film, mm -hmm. and I'll, let, I'll shut up and let you talk a bit, mm -hmm. it was the way it looked. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't um, get enough of it. No, I couldn't either. And, and I think anybody, even people who don't know the sort of whole history and art cinephiles, will be very, very arrested by how gorgeous it mm. looks. And it, even if they don't really know why, because mm. it's so, so stunning. And um, it, that didn't keep... What kept me in it... Well, no, let's push it another way. What I found so difficult about it... It's very long. It's very long. But it's also the huge cast of characters. Right. And, I mean, I'm luckier than a lot of people in that I know a lot of these names. I know yeah. where they stand up. You know, like the mayors, for example, and the big dinner yeah, party. Yeah, Metro Goldwyn Mayor. Yeah, yeah and, Mayor. and all these people... And I sort of David O'Selznick and all that. But they get the, but they they even dig into the politics. I don't want to put people off actually, but they dig into the politics of the time, like Upton Sinclair and running for mm. president and blah 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 blah. It, it seems from a cast of, of a small amount like this, it, it seems to get grow bigger and bigger and bigger the cast of characters. And I watched it in one. I wasn't one for one second bored, and I was absolutely jaw droppingly amazed by how gorgeous it mm. looked. But I did have difficulty keeping the characters separate. Mm. And also, I'll tell you what I did find slightly difficult as well. He's very funny, Gary Oldman, and I suspect that Mankovich was off, off, you know, off mm. sides and, 
you know, throwaway lines and stuff. And occasionally I found that difficult to hear what he was saying. But whether that was that this sound that you're describing, mm. it might have been because they had other things in the sound. It looks stunning, the costumes are stunning, the acting's stunning. I could see from a, I mean, it's curious because it's about the Hollywood system, it's about the Hollywood industry. And I, I also can't get too much of that. I'm fascinated by yeah. the way in which it used to operate and how really in, it, in the old day, in the, in the 40s, 30s, 40s, as an industry, it was very much an industry like almost, you know, oil barons walking around their lots, oh, looking yes, at, you know, and you, and you sort yeah. of look at that building there is where the screenwriters yeah. are, that building there is where the makeup, and, and, you know, that sense of industry was really palpable. There was a really magical moment where I thought the actor who played um, Louis B. Mayer was walking along, and, and it's a very sort of arresting sort of handheld camera, and they're walking between sound studios and sets. And he says at one point something that I thought was a remarkably um, prophetic uh, comment where he said, we make, our business is about making a product that we own. We own it, but all other people get of it is the memory of it. That's mm. our business. Okay. And I thought it was the most magical description of cinema. Wow. That I've, I've ever heard. Now, I don't know whether that actually was one of Louis B. Mayer's quotes at some point, but it, 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 I'm sure it probably was. You know, the idea that they are producing a physical thing, because it's a film that you see, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but what you're selling is actually only a memory. What you're selling is only a temporary moment. Yeah, what you're yeah, selling true. is something ineffable and utterly unquantifiable. Yeah. And I thought at the back of all of this, I was reminded, and because it's the story, what is the story? It's the story of Mankiewicz, the alcoholic. He's a raging alcoholic. He's yeah. a womanizer. Yeah. He's incredibly charming. He's incredibly witty. He's that person, like when there's that really embarrassing scene where he turns up to William Randolph Hearst's estate and he's drunk and he vomits on the floor. He's that guy that you want at a party because he's so engaging. He's a raconteur. As they say at one point, William Randolph Hearst, he doesn't, he loves how you speak. He doesn't care what you write or how yeah. you write yeah, and that yeah. cuts him to the quick because yeah. he values himself as an artist and as a screenwriter yeah. and so really it is a film about an alcoholic yeah he grinding to a rock bottom halt yeah so many of them were alcoholics it's oh absolutely it's important to say that yeah 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 but this alcoholic that this film is yeah, about yeah, yeah. he's grinding to a halt at a point where he has such actually which what i thought was very good about gary Oldman's performance such crushing low self-esteem yeah and yet he delivers the greatest work of his life. Exactly. And I thought that this film was at its most poignant and powerful in that final scene between him and Orson Welles, when, he real, when you, you see a drunk, a broken drunk of a man mm -hmm. wanting, just on this occasion, full credit. To get, yes, To get exactly. the credit. And you exactly. see Orson Welles, the towering sort of fury of Orson Welles. Yeah. So I... You and know, I mean, the, the debate about whether who wrote the screen, because in mm. the end, Orson Welles, it's credited to both of them. Although, wasn't it just Mankiewicz that won the award? No, they won the, they won the Oscar together. They won the Oscar yeah, together. They oh, okay. Oscar. So yeah. in that respect, to this day, it's still a, yeah, a debatable yeah. point. But Mankiewicz said that he wrote it, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Sort of. Well, he did write it. Yeah, no, 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 but he wrote it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orson yeah, Welles yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and so, so there are two elements to this. It's a portrait of, of Hollywood at a certain point. It's a kind of telling of the story of how the script came together for a film that if you're a film fan, or film buff, that you'd, you'd be fascinated by. It's the story of a creative on an alcoholic descent. Though I didn't really feel, and I thought they could have done maybe a bit more with his alcoholic descent. I felt it was just a sort of Yeah, but, but didn't, in real life, didn't he sort of... He, 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 Highly functioning. Out. Yes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, he would keep yeah. himself at a certain yeah. level. Yeah, exactly. I hesitate to say all those things would suggest this is brilliant. Yeah, but I... And yet it didn't, the sum of its parts didn't 
make, there was something about it that really didn't work for me. Oh, for you, mm. even. Mm. Oh, okay. And I can't work out if some of that was, I'd had enough of Gary Oldman's strange voice by mm. the end, and mm. it's sort of, I'm not sure whether he overperformed it, because I did say, when yeah. we watched one of the trailers at one point, I did say, oh, I hope they're not going to all be at this plummy level of, you know, that plumminess that was in, mm -hmm, in films. Mm -hmm. I sometimes felt we never got the real people. I felt like everyone was really performing. And that's, I think that was yeah, a choice. A I think that was a choice. That's an interesting thing to say, actually. I know exactly what you mean. In the way that old fashioned films were. It's yeah. almost like the style of recreating, slavishly recreating a black and, old black and white film, albeit Citizen Kane. They felt they had to stick with the style of acting from that era. Mm. So everything took on a, which it did in the day, took on a very sort of over-the-top, slightly pantomime mm. kind of feel to it. Which at times for me, I got a bit, I found a bit tiresome just listening to him go on. And sometimes I thought some of his quips and funny one-liners weren't that funny. Well, I thought they were funny, interestingly oh. enough, but it's just that sometimes I couldn't hear them properly. Mm. Not because not, not I'm going deaf, but because of the sound being a certain way. They were either so off the cuff that I sort of slightly missed them. Mm. And I do know what you mean, but, but that didn't bother me. I mean, really, really, the only thing that bothered me, I suppose, was, was keeping the characters um, separate. But I have to say, even for people that aren't cinephiles, but think, oh, well, I, well I'm not a cinephile, or I, I don't know that much about Rosebud, but I quite like to know about Orson Welles and blah, blah, blah. You'll find out nothing from this film. Well, I, I found out a couple, I mean, there were a couple of details I thought were intriguing, because the most famous thing about Citizen Kane is the exhalation at the beginning with them. Rosebud! Mm. And then they spend the rest of the film trying to find out what the bloody old Rosebud was. Uh, but the idea that it, the Rose, Rosebud was perhaps William Randolph Hearst's nickname for his wife's clitoris, I mean, that, that was a curious detail. Yeah. Uh, or th that's how Mankiewicz had kind of portrayed it in the script. I think the idea that the, the portrayal of character in Citizen Kane, if you know Citizen Kane, is, you know, it is fascinating to see, was this what was, what, to see what Mankiewicz was putting into the script of such a famous film. Yeah. With, based upon his own intricacies. Yes. Of, you know, and this was like the behind the scenes of the, if you like, the emotional complexity of what was going on in, 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 his, yeah. in his relationship with yeah. all the characters in Citizen Kane. I suppose it adds another layer of richness to Citizen Kane. So have I got time to go to Citizen Kane again and watch it in the light of this? Perhaps. I'm, it might be an indulgence when I'm 94. Mm. Um, there was just something about it that I thought, crikey, you know, I'm into Hollywood. I like the quotes. Great quotes. Wonderful quote when one of his colleagues, a director... Is discovers he's got Parkinson's and he was in the room and he says at one point he said I can't deal with having Parkinson's I'm going to not be able to move I'm not going to be able to eventually your body closes down and there's a quip from Gary, Gary Oldman where he says well that's okay you could become a producer <laughs> I thought you know there were yes. really dark there were moments of great dark despite all of that I find it really difficult to watch and I found it almost really difficult to recommend, which is why I was hesitant about reviewing it, because I wouldn't want to say to any of you guys watching no. this, oh, go and watch it, because it's a tough watch. It is a really tough watch. It's a tough watch. Yeah. And it hasn't appeared on Netflix's top ten. No. It's, it's their Oscar contender. Yeah, I can't say, actually. It's I weird loved one. it. No. I can't say that. It's a weird one. But although there's lots in it that it's I love. It's beautiful. Loved. There's stuff in it that's some of the best stuff. I think some yes. of the best cinematography yes. I've um, ever seen. Yes. And some of the reviews said things like, this film is going to win Oscars for cinematography, costume, sound, mm. you know, acting everything and you sort of think well what's not to win what's not to like but then you sort of think 
Would I want to see it? I well, certainly wouldn't sit through it again. Which comes to the point of why we're reviewing this, and there's going to be lots of people watching this going, well, I don't fancy it and I'm not no, going to, but believe me, wait till the Oscar ceremony. This could clear up. Yeah. This it, yeah. could clear up. Yeah. It's about the very industry that the Oscars is about. Yeah. It's, it, it kind of is romantically portraying that period too. Mm. I mean, it does have all the right tick boxes ticked for it to be an absolute contender at the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, so it's a really, for me, it's almost one of the most curious films. I couldn't take it all in in one go. I was mm. pleased that I was streaming it. Mm. And yet I kept being drawn back to it. It wasn't like I couldn't, I couldn't leave it. Mm. I mean, the, you know, the political story didn't interest me. They left me far behind yeah. and I sort of thought, who is going to want to know about this? Well, you don't think there was some stuff in it that could have been cut? And that they could have just still kept the same. Well, at my worst, at my worst, I thought, Jesus Christ, Netflix are just indulging middle-aged men. Yeah. The Irishman. I had moments of the Irishman oh, yes. about it. I had moments, I know you loved Roma, and Roma was beautiful. Oh, Roma was But it was a very self-indulgent film by a director about his child. It's like, here you go, here's X amount of time and millions and do what the fuck you want to make a, make a movie about your childhood. I used to say, thank The Irishman, three, include Scorsese, four, old... Ex-gangster actors all reminiscing about That's how to get from here to B A to B. And way. this was another one where it was a little bit not wanky, but a little bit manky. Do you think maybe Netflix thinks it won't sit sort of by doing this and by giving it plenty of time and by making it look so gorgeous and all of the things that we agree that it is that it's sort of um, signing itself up for a serious you know, streaming service rather than just... Yeah, no, I do. Out. I do. I think it's wanting to be the place that real artists and exactly. authors go to. And I think that's a laudable thing. I think that's really yeah, important that we do have someone somewhere willing to chuck loads of money at auteurs. Yeah. But whether say, it leads to great films is no, another question. It no. could just lead to self-indulgence. And I have to say as well, and I never think this about film subs because um, I always would much rather see them in the cinema. In many ways, I thought afterwards... I wish I'd seen this in the cinema. Yeah, I wish I'd seen this in the cinema. But but the thing is that I don't think I'll go and see it again because no. it was such hard work. Okay, well, let, let's summarise. We'd seen the trailer and um, and then from then on kept calling it wank. Oh, uh, it told me a bit more than I knew about Hollywood and about Rosebud. And um, uh, I found it in many ways fascinating. The acting was really good. Everything that I've said, really, mm. everything, the look of it was brilliant. The um, uh, sound, I mean, so you can't even begin to describe the look of it is so good, isn't it? No, the look of it is, is, is so good. I mean, I think they shot it on a particular type of kit. I'm yeah, not entirely sure, I'm but sure it, they, they did something they to it to make it really, really zing in a yeah. sort of truly. I and mean, also, as Mark said earlier on, this business of it copying Rosebud. Yeah. So if you've I mean, seen... so it's depth of focus and lens. I mean, the thing yeah. about Citizen Kane is that they developed so many lenses on set. Orson Welles would walk onto set and say to Greg Toland, his cinematographer, I want to be able to see that in shot and that in shot and that in shot. And Greg Toland would go, there isn't a lens that does that. Get into the studio, get into the workshop and make it happen. Isn't and that Greg, fantastic? And so lots of lens <laughs> development, especially wide angle lenses and telephoto lenses, were developed in the making of this film. Isn't that In the making of Citizen Kane. Yeah. And I thought their, their observation of that, the cinematographer, the cinematography deserves an Oscar. It's, it's some of the best cinematography I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, yeah, so, so to finish sorry. off my... No, no, that's fine. To finish off my thought, all of that and the sound and the acting and everything. The thing I would say, that one of the things that I wanted to know more about and ended up not knowing more about was I'm fascinated by the screenwriting aspect mm. because it's writing. Mm. And I mean, a lot of great novelists ended up writing for mm. the screen. And um, not him, interestingly, but Faulkner and people were novelists primarily. And I sort of wanted to know more about that. 
And other than his one-liners and his asides and his funnies, you mm. know, over his shoulders, they didn't really tell us anything about no. that. No, The story that wasn't told, which I thought could make a fascinating other film, was that little mention of him rescuing an entire village in Poland. Do you remember that? He sent money back or something. He oh, brought yeah. he brought an entire village of Poland. You know, it was almost like he'd done that thing that Schindler did yeah. for, for people in Poland. And I thought, yeah. oh my God, there's a film there to be Yeah, made. I admired it enormously. I did not love it. And I really don't know if I'd go and see it again. That's I a really good description. Would. You admired it, but don't like it. I think that's yeah. a really good description. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, what would I give it? It's a bit reductive with a film like this to give it one score, but... I know. I'd give it I'd give it mid-80s, actually, about 85. Because no, right, the last bit that takes it up mm. to 100 is you loving a film. Mm. You know, say like mm. with Roma, there are lots of criticisms, yeah. but I loved it. Yeah. So that would have taken it up to 100. But sure. with this... There was too much that kept me at arm's length. Yeah. Well, I think you summed it up beautifully. I think, you know, I, I admire, I was full of admiration for it. I wanted to keep indulging in it. it, it it's so visually literate. It's so visually sophisticated and rich that you can just let it wash over the eyes without really even engaging. Like with some of the political scenes, I was just, I was mesmerised. Mm. Look at the light on that, the smoke, the... The audio, the sound, the sound mix on this is phenomenal. They have recreated the feeling that you're in a 1950s cinema at the back. Mm. And you would, part of you would think, oh, that's bloody annoying. And in part, mm. at times it possibly was annoying. I think the, the, the thing that that does do to a film is it slightly distances you from the emotions of the film. I think it was a little bit emotionless for saying so much was. was going on. It was, that's good, that's and true, I, I mean. Yeah. yeah, and I think that whilst it was, and I think it had to kind of be one or the other thing, it was, was it ever going to be a psychological exploration? And I think in a strange way, it ended up being hampered by the extent to which it was paying homage to the original film. Mm. It was trapped in, in replicating the tone and feel and sense of the original Citizen Kane. Yeah to the point that you couldn't really dig into the emotional no, complexity of no, any of the characters. No. And so I felt for Gary Oldman, in a sense, he was trying to perform a very difficult trick there, where he's trying to give us a very layered sort of descent or arc to his character. And yet all around him was the sort of slightly surfacey stuff of style and mm. sound. I don't know, it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a curious combination. Yeah. So I admired it. I, I couldn't recommend it. I, I, would, no. I would like to recommend it, but I would worry that if I said to you now, go and watch it, you'd come back to me and go, bloody what? hell, yeah. what was that? What a load of wang. Yeah, what a load of wang. So I would probably give it, cinematography, 100 out of 100. Yeah, just... Um, Gary Oldman, brilliantly performed, though there were parts of the performance that were a bit one note for me. Yes, and also I think Gary Oldman's got to be careful, or people that employ mm. Gary Oldman have got to be careful, because... He is giving the same, you know, mm. the Churchill, the thing, the thing, mm. the thing. He's giving, there's something very samey about yeah, it. Yeah, 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 I feel that. Uh, so I'd probably be, I'd probably give this about 75 oh, so in total, in okay. total. Because yeah. I, I, you know, I am a film fan. Yeah. And I struggled to watch it all in one sitting. It was almost yeah. so rich visually that I had to just take my time with it. Yeah, yeah. So a load of old mank. For more film and family fun, don't forget to click the subscribe button and make sure to click the bell to never miss an update.